Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Garden Report is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Hey, welcome to The Garden Report, Friday edition here, wrapping the week. Uh, another slow week here in September now, but since it is September, we're inching a little closer to training camp. More and more guys coming back from FIVA. There'll be quite a few from the U.S. team coming back after they lost today, and Celtics posting a video. Rob's back at the facility. Al, Banton, Pritchard, a couple guys. So sooner rather than later, the whole Celtics team will be back. And the team they're going to be aiming to beat this year, the team to beat, are the champions, the Denver Nuggets. And it's awesome. Matt Brooks is back. Good friend of the show. Good friend of the network. First time since joining the Nuggets organization, becoming a writer for the Nuggets out there in Denver and covering that whole championship run. So, Matt, welcome back. Uh, congratulations on the new role and the championship. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild. I think we're up to like five months now, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride. Uh, tra- changing teams midseason is I, – I don't know if – I mean, I'm you know, you never know, but I, I just – I can't really explain anything like that or – if I'll ever have another experience like that again, but I'm, I'm sure not upset with it. It was fun to cover all the way to the finals and then actually see the celebration and be a part of it. So it was super cool. And I'm, I'm definitely grateful for it. Yeah. And we, we haven't talked in a minute for the people that don't remember covered the nets for a while with SB nation. Um, you know, those KD Irving Durant teams, that first round series Celtics uh, nets that year. Uh, we, we talked about it all until pretty much their end. And, Last year, pretty much as it was falling apart, you made that pivot to Denver. How did it come together? And did, did you see yourself working for a team? Like, did it surprise you that that's kind of where you landed? Well, I've been, I've been like, I knew it was kind of, I wouldn't say I knew it was coming, but this is something that was in the works for a while. So I definitely had time to kind of think about what I want to work for a team. Turns out it's been absolutely incredible, just the access. Um, I've been really able to con- create the type of content that I like to create, which for people that are just watching me, I really like film. I really like stats. I really like the kind of nitty gritty details. So I've been able to continue to do that for the nuggets. And that's been awesome. Um, you know, it just in terms of like how it came to be, it came to be pretty quickly. You know, it was, I remember it was, uh, I think February 8th when the nets traded Durant and I got the notification at like 1 2 AM um and was like oh okay so this this nets job that i've been doing has changed dramatically um and then kind of dealt with the fallout of that uh i remember watching the first couple of games of bridges and cam johnson i think i did a video on that and then like within the next week i heard from the nuggets things moved pretty quickly and by the end of march i was out there uh covering i think the last two weeks of the regular season and then got thrown into the playoffs and traveled and it's it's just kind of gone and continued since then um so yeah it was really it was a wild ride until summer league pretty much and then things have you know kind of slowed down a little bit and now i'm just settling settling into uh denver and and getting ready for next year what did you think because i think most fans around the league slept on denver quite a bit i did i didn't think even if they did win the championship, I wasn't sure they were going to storm to it the way they did, uh, tearing through the Lakers in a sweep, beating the Heat pretty handily. And Jokic, not only repeating 
the performances he did during the regular seasons, during the MVP years, but surpassing it in, in many ways into the postseason. He, whether it was the leaners over Anthony Davis or the passing or, you know, the scoring they did in the finals, he, he was Jokic and then some. Did it surprise you that they ended up winning? Did you expect them to win when you moved into, you know, covering them? No, I didn't. And I, I'll be completely honest. I did not. Um, and I think part of that was I had watched them some, you know, I'd catch them usually after Nets games just because of the time difference. Um, I'd get home from Nets games and then I'd be kind of chilling, uh, getting ready to go to bed. And I just flip something on. A lot of times it was nuggets, uh, trailblazers, jazz, those kind of teams that are on it. Like I guess uh, 10 PM Eastern time. So yeah. I watched them, but I wasn't fully prepared, I guess in a way for, just how good they'd be. Um, and, you know, I really at the last the last two weeks of the regular season that I covered them, they kind of already clinched. And I'll, I think it's pretty fair to say they weren't playing maybe 150%. So I was kind of like, I don't know what to expect here. Um, and, you know, once they got past the Suns, that's when I really started to be like, all right, I, I think this is going to happen. I w- remember watching back the Warriors-Lakers series and just kind of feeling like, I, I really think the Nuggets can beat either of these teams. Um, and then obviously the heat coming out of the, the East, you know, for as good as that team was, um, it just felt like Denver had such a size advantage and that played pretty true in the finals. But it was that second round series where I was really like, I don't know which way this is going to go. Um, you know, Phoenix, I've obviously watched Durant a lot. So I kind of know the caliber of player that he is. And um, that was the one I really was 50-50 on. So, yeah, I wouldn't say I was like, you know, got to the playoffs and I was like, oh, yeah, this team is going all the way. It's not true at all. But uh, there was a point, I think, in the playoffs where I was like, I kind of think this is going to happen for this team. Yeah, and there was a ton of competition, as there will be this year in the West. Uh, Phoenix looked like they might, once they got the ramp back, figure things out. Didn't have enough time. I saw Jock Landale talking about that, just how – little time they had to come together how little chemistry there was at that point durant was just hurt too much at the end of the day for yeah. them warriors they had their own problems those might continue this year but jordan Poole's gone made some adjustments there chris paul comes in uh kings we'll see if they can repeat what they did last year it's it's a loaded conference and then there's some other teams like the thunder whoever that might you know come up and surprise people this year uh, so that's first and foremost for the nuggets but when you look back at that run, probably the night they won it all, what, what are the best memories of covering that run? Um, night they won it all. Being in the locker room was cool. I was in the locker room for the celebrations. Um, and that's just something you like. I mean, there's so many aspects of it. Even just like, I remember like the first finals game, just here in the arena. I, I will always remember that and being like, oh my God, this is the finals of Never that covered was special, finals. yeah. Got to yeah. do that obviously yeah. the year before. Oh my god, you can't beat it, and it, it kind of hits you. You're like, wow, I've watched the finals since I was like as long as I've watched basketball. Um, and it like hit me, man. I'm like really here for this. So that was crazy. Um, watching the celebration, just in terms of the trophy being hoisted, and uh, just being there for that. But I, I being in the locker room was absolutely wild. After um, you know, just after the the game, and once everything kind of settled in, filed a couple stories. Um, you you know, probably missed Jokic going in the pool or the, the hot tub or whatever I did. it was, right? Yeah, <laughs> I did. I showed up a little later, but everybody was in there. Pretty much all the players were in there. So um, that, w- that was pretty cool. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe the locker room, maybe that might be the one because that was just something I never had. Like, I guess, you know, as a writer, reporter, whatever, you come up with, like, a vision board of things you'd want to do and, and want to achieve in your career. Um, that was not, I don't know why that would even be on my vision board. So that was one of those cool things where it's like, man, I didn't even know something like this could happen, but you know, there I was, um, not only watching a championship celebration, but, you know, actually getting to see the aftermath of it. It was, it was pretty surreal. Yeah. And a little change of pace in terms of the stars you're covering there, Jokic. (laughs) What was he like to cover? What was he like to interview? Uh, obviously a guy who's pretty nonchalant about his stardom. Yeah. Uh, the off season you're, you're following his, you know, horse, horse racing, uh, pursuits yeah. as much as, uh, you know, the workouts or whatever else it might be. What was it like to cover him? And I, a lot of interesting stars on this team, whether Murray or Gordon or who, you know, whoever else down the line. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jokic was, Jokic was funny because, you know, I think 
and, and they acknowledge it, like the MVP conversation really weighed on the entire team, especially in the second half of the year. So it was really interesting to see. You'd think like getting into the playoffs as things get more and more tight, you'd kind of close off, you'd focus in and kind of, I don't know, just like, I guess, just get more serious essentially. And he was kind of the opposite just because as, as he got farther and farther away from the MVP conversation, you got to see, you know, the Joker personality where he's making jokes, he's uh, kind of, you know, messing around with reporters. That was continuing all the way through the finals. And I thought that was really cool. And and just seeing that evolution, kind of it going backwards than expected, um, I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, the, the team's really interesting. There's just so many different personalities in a way on it. Um, and, and so many different, uh, yeah, just different personalities and different vibes. And, you know, you think about all of these different characters in the locker room and how they come together. The culture is like a big thing for them. Um, it's really fascinating to see that when you're watching each of these guys interview. Yeah. Now you wonder, is this that giant that's going to rule the league for a couple of years now, as it seems to go in this league, once you break through and you have a player, Jokic's caliber, you have the pieces around him. The coach is great too. Mullen deserves a lot of credit for what he's done there. Are they just going to continue to win championships, be there each year in, in a way like the Warriors were? I could see it now, even being the skeptic I was. They, like they just once they got healthy, and you obviously saw the impact of Murray being back and Porter. You know, for all the ups and downs he had, made a difference last year. They could be that team. I don't put it past them, even in the tough conference, even with contenders like the Celtics maybe being on par with them talent wise. It's just Jokic is that much better than the field. It seems uh, that he's going to continue to break these matchups, even against a great team like the Lakers that got reinforcements. I. I come into this year looking at them as the favorites, even though they're in that tougher conference, even though they lose a guy like Bruce Brown, who's super important. I think he was, you know, came in as the third, fourth leading scorer in the playoffs. Uh, rookies joining this team, you're going to have to see how they do. Uh, you know, no major additions offseason wise. How, how do you look at them coming into this year? Are they the clear prohibitive favorite to repeat? Or do you think they're one of multiple teams that's going to be in that mix once again? No, I think they're the favorite. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Jokic. I think Murray, too. I mean, his playoff numbers are absurd. He's at, like, 26 a game on, like, just absurd efficiency. I can pull it up right now. But he's, he's like, he's a legit star. He'll be in – I'd be shocked if he wasn't an all-star this year, honestly. Um, he th – that's that tandem, that one-two – punch just the way those guys are able to play together the leap that murray took kind of as a playmaker um in the postseason was something that i've really been watching a lot and i've thought a lot about going forward if murray is a you know whatever a seven eight assist guy per game they're just i don't really know what you do with that combination um you know michael porter i'm happy you brought him up he hasn't had a full off season in two three years so you're giving him a full off season this year to work on his game, whatever that is, ball handling, um, even just catch and go stuff, uh, continuing to work on his defense, which improved a lot last year and improved in the postseason. Um, and then you mentioned, yeah, like this, I like that you mentioned the rookies because the Nuggets are a really interesting team. Like you look at their roster, you know what your first five are, Reggie Jackson, DeAndre Jordan, sure, vets there. But after that, it's kind of like a lot of young guys, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, those are two sophomores. And then you have their three rookies coming in, Julian Strother, Jalen Pickett, and Hunter Tyson. If any um, you know, combination of those rookies and sophomores hit over the next couple of years, that's your rotation. That's set in stone right there. Those guys are all on cost-controlled deals, rookie-scale contracts, or if you're a second-rounder, you know, whatever, a four-year deal, just around two, three million a season – that's that's kind of how the Nuggets are building going forward. They want to have these younger, cost-controlled players um, to to support this starting five, which is all locked in. I think until twenty twenty-five, I believe, um, all thirty and younger. The oldest in that starting lineup is Contavious Caldwell Pope. So they're set up well, but they are relying on at least to some degree a couple of their young guys hitting. Yeah, the whole underbelly of the roster really are, are pretty much younger, less proven guys. And Christian Braun sat in between because he didn't play a ton in the playoffs, but he played well when he got in 
I think he shot over 70% in the finals. He had a great appearance every time pretty much he came in to that Heat series. And that's what you need because I was writing about, you know, how deep do the Celtics need to be? You know, they lose some depth pieces. They go thinner. They go more top-heavy with this roster. You don't need a ton of depth to win a championship. Probably six, seven, eight at the max, guys. And, of course, injuries factor in there, too. If, if you're healthy, that's what you're going to pretty much need. But that seventh, eighth guy can end up making a difference there. And Brown ended up being a real swing guy in that series, especially since the Heat got more injured, went deeper into their rotation, and had less proven contributors at the back end than the Nuggets did. Not the complete difference maker in the series, like Jokic being way, way better than Butler was, but you do need a little bit of depth come postseason time, and that can be swing guy in some games. Yeah, for sure. Brown's a great example. Um, you know, I, I think they're really looking at him as that guy that, you know, replacing Bruce Brown is impossible. I mean, let's be honest, he's a $45 million player now for a reason. There's a lot of, he can affect the game on both sides of the floor. Great defender, um, really good at getting around screens. Offensively improved a lot as a ball handler, was really a, a solid positive as a pick and roll ball handler in the playoffs. He was huge in transition. He was their leading fast break scorer in the playoffs. So that's a lot to replace and ask for from a guy in Christian Brown who's going to be a sophomore this year. But you, if you can just get little snippets of that, the perimeter defense, uh, attacking in transition, I know he's been working on his game as a ball handler a lot um, in this offseason. That's something, hey, maybe you're not going to get to this like high percentile pick and roll ball handler. But if you can get to the point where you can give this guy a couple – you know, second side looks where he's coming off a handoff and it's something good, a game, and you're playing with Jokic, those are all those are all positives. And then after that, it's just seeing what else you can find. So, um, yeah, th- th- it'll be a really fun – I mean, I'm really excited because, for me, I know I'm. it's a long season. There's 82 games. You kind of know what the starting lineup gives you, but there's so much to watch for in terms of how the Nuggets build out the back end of their rotation. And for me, I can't wait to do that because – it's really fun to watch young players. Definitely. Yeah, through summer league and even into the preseason and all the rest, you get the longer look at those guys. And this team probably should give those guys opportunities throughout the year. Seeding will be important uh, for this group, but health, always the foremost concern. And that's pretty much the same case with the Celtics there. They might sacrifice a seat, you know, spot in seeding to be fully healthy, to be fresh for the playoffs. And that's where those young guys get opportunities. And they're good enough you can still win games with them I thought the Celtics did that really well last year but it's quite a few relatively unproven guys between the rookies Zeke Naji, who I think could be important yep. for this group um you look up and down the roster there's guys like that everywhere and I I'm glad you bring up Bruce Brown because you're not going to look at that loss and say it's going to prevent this team from winning a championship but it is a big one and you covered him in Brooklyn I think both of us looked at him there and we're like this this guy's this guy's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody sees it on a championship run in Denver. They get him for the mid level, which still blows my mind. And now he's a twenty million dollar a year guy in Indiana. Everyone's gonna be better playing with Jokic, but a guy who played the style he did was perfectly suited to do it. Just amazing on this run, the cutting, the rolling. He's an example for pretty much any role guy across the league, a guy who was formerly a point guard, who was a star in college, that you can transform your game and play a different way and become a star in a different role in this league. And he did it about as well as anyone I've ever seen. I'm sure he'll play well in Indiana too, given that he's joining another great passer in Halliburton. But for this team, does Jokic's ability alone and ability to lift other guys up and make them play better, as I'm sure Brown benefited from, replace what they were losing in him? Yeah, I mean, I think Jokic plays a part of it. But I think to Brown's credit, like, he's – I've looked at him as honestly one of the most malleable role players in the league. Like, we've seen him literally play center for a whole season at six foot four. Uh, that first year with the Nets team, um, you know, with Harden, Durant – Kyrie, they just didn't have any big men at that point. And eventually they added guys throughout the season, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, But Brown plays center, essentially, thrives in that. Um, And he was good in the playoffs year after year. I mean, that, let's be honest, broken Nets team during the year where there was the vaccine holdout from Kyrie. Um, 
they went to the playoffs, lost to the Celtics in a sweep in a series that surprised many people. The standout from that series was not Kyrie. It was not KD. It was Bruce Brown. He's just, he's a winner. So I think you put those type of guys next to Jokic, which obviously helps. Jokic simplifies the game a ton. I think being a young player like a Peyton Watson or a Christian Brown playing with someone that thinks the game as, as well as Jokic does makes things easy, but I, I don't want to take anything away from Bruce Brown. He, he's just a total winner, but um, yeah, I think, you know, you look at, as I said, all the young guys on this roster, it's tough being a young player in, in the league. There's so much talent um, and there's a lot to learn very quickly, but when you play with a guy of Jokic's caliber who thinks the game the way he does, it at least makes some of the difficult stuff a little bit easier. Yeah. I see a comment there that points out Caldwell Pope to another great move mm-hmm. uh, going into last year, that trade. And they gave up a couple good guys in Monty Morris, uh, Will Barton, that you know were good for years in Denver. Tough players to give up. And he ended up still getting a guy that really makes a difference coming back and uh, was pretty good for them on the perimeter. And you see the value between Brown and him of wing defense, perimeter defense. It was just a really good, rock-solid, well-built team. Uh, it, looking back on it, and they still are, even without Brown. So you look at the FanDuel championship odds right now. Celtics do squeak by the Nuggets, and we'll talk about them after uh, we shout out our official sports wagering partner here, FanDuel. So- I want to take a minute to tell you about FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It's football season, and new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket so you can watch all those games uh, that you're wagering on. Frets from fan from YouTube and YouTube TV on FanDuel. It's the best time to join FanDuel right now. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends September 18th, 2023. No refunds, terms, and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch on YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. Celtics, Nuggets, you said... Nuggets favorites going in this year. I tend to agree with that, especially when that favorite on FanDuel and the Celtics didn't get out of the East. Went down 3 nothing in the East Finals. I thought I was going to be going out to Denver to see you going into the Game 7. But beyond all the injuries, beyond Rob throwing up and Grant, you know, whatever was going on with his hand, they just came up short in that game. They came up short in the series as a whole. You can't go down 3 nothing expect to come back stuff's gonna go wrong in the following four games even if you come close like they did so they shake up the roster this summer i'm not comparing barton morris for kcp to smart for porzingis but it does reflect you can have some players good players that you really like as the celtics did with smart move on from them get a different kind of guy a guy that solves some issues for you and tristas porzingis uh, potentially and come out better for it even if you hate to give up the players or player that you did, I wasn't a fan of the Porzingis trade. Uh, I'll come on and say just because of the injury risk, I don't know if he necessarily solves their biggest issue, the ball handling and facilitating uh, on this roster, as well as some of the isolation one-on-one play. It's pretty much the opposite approach for the Celtics that the Nuggets take uh, to their offense. You know, you'd love to see the Celtics start to do some more of the stuff that Denver does. And then you look at the two stars, Brown and Tatum, the assist numbers between them, the way they play off each other, it's different from Murray and Jokic. And, you know, you can say they're different positions, different kind of players, blah, 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 blah. But you see the upside to the way Denver plays 
compared to Boston here. But they go out, they get Porzingis, obviously a third star, obviously a player who overall is better than Smart, and a big guy, you know, with Jokic, Giannis, and B, these types emerging as some of the best players in the sport. I guess it makes sense to go out and get a 7-2 guy as one of your best players. But again, the injury risk, the continuity, him becoming a third option, the passing and facilitating on the roster. I still have a lot of concerns when you look at it, especially when you're pulling out probably this team's best passer in Marcus Smart from the equation. But when you look at this trade, what did you think? Higher ceiling, lower floor. It's probably how I'd look at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, like I, Porzingis is really good. And I, I had an awesome year last year. Post-up game has improved so much over the last year and a half. Um, and that's huge. And it just made him more dynamic. I mean, I remember when he played with Luca. I, I'm trying to remember what series it was. It might have been, might have been the Clippers. Um, every time they had Luca and Porzingis, or Porzingis had a screen for Luca, LA would just switch it, and it would be like, all right, we have like a smaller guy on a seven-two guy, but the seven-two guy can't really post up. Yeah. So now he's just kind of hovering on the perimeter. Um, Porzingis has improved a lot. So I think that's really interesting. Now, the hard part is Porzingis is a big man. He's going to be setting screens. He's going to be popping. He's going to be posting up. You need someone who can get him the ball. That's where you're like, damn, we really, that sucks that we've lost Marcus Smart in this deal. But I get it. I understand, um, you know, like the, the, the gamble of, of getting somebody who's as good as Porzingis is because he is really good. Uh, injury concerns, absolutely happy you brought that up. But, you know, I mean, I'm even looking at, like, projecting, um, you know, the Nuggets playing the Celtics. It's kind of a tricky matchup for the Nuggets a little bit. I don't – I'm trying to think. I don't really think they played any teams with big men that can stretch to three. I guess you could say Minnesota with Towns, but he was always sharing the floor. Or and music. that was the team, when you look back on it, that gave Denver the toughest run overall. Yeah, I, completely. Um and, and the thing about that series was it wasn't even like they were – when they had Towns as a solo big man, which was only so many minutes, um, they'd still just play Aaron Gordon on him versus in this matchup, I think you'd want Aaron Gordon on one of the Jays. And that means Jokic guarding Porzingis. And, you know, they Jokic is capable of doing that. They can play him up higher in pick and rolls. But it's still – they didn't really play anybody that had a stretch center. Um, you know, Phoenix, Aiton. Landale, both guys that are going to score a little bit closer to the rim. Next series, you go to, uh, you know, the Lakers. Yeah, Anthony Davis can stretch a little bit, but you're really using him more as a roller, and then you go to the finals. Sure, Bam can pick and pop, but he's probably pick and popping from the mid-range. So it's kind of an interesting matchup. I don't really think the Nuggets played anybody like that with a guy, uh, Porzingis, who's as good of a shooter as he is, um, especially on those pick and pops. I think it's a pretty, pretty interesting matchup, and he's played really well against um, the Nuggets historically. Yeah, that's something I was looking back on. Uh, how have these two matched up? How, how have they matched up team-wise against each other? The Celtics have played Denver themselves pretty tough in recent years, especially with Grant and Horford's ability to guard Jokic. That went away in the Denver game with the I don't think you were there for that one, the massive rim delay game. <laughs> no, I missed Yeah, I wasn't there for that. <laughs> it was like a 45-minute delay. We'll never see anything quite like that again. It, it was like a rain delay in a basketball game. It was insane. <laughs> I think Sean Grandy, the play-by-play guy for uh, the Red Celtics radio network, is still traumatized by it. But <laughs> that was where Denver turned the corner against the Celtics, and you can maybe look back on that game as – against the league as well because they played early in the season when the Celtics were shooting 40% from three as a team and the Celtics just blew them away at the garden and they had that kind of success in recent seasons. Now you're shaking up the dynamic a little bit. Smart's out. Porzingis is in. He hasn't played against Denver a ton. One game with the Nuggets across that year and a half or with the Wizards across that year and a half or so uh, that he was there. Played well in the game but Jokic blew him away. Nuggets blew them away. Uh, and then I found one most recent game with Dallas where, again, played decently, shot well, but Nuggets um, came away victorious in that game. 
it, so you don't have a ton of these no. two lined up against each other, especially with the East-West dynamic. You can maybe look back to some of those next years, but Porzingis was a different guy then too, health-wise, and the athleticism. It's still crazy. I'm excited to see him just because this is a guy who's always been one of the more intriguing talents in the NBA between the shooting, as you talk about. Defensively, I think he's going to help the Celtics yes. a lot, uh, but he's a little different. You, you mentioned the post-up game coming more in the – you know, his skill set now, which does help him the way teams have guarded him in the past. Um, but also, he's a little more ground bound. There's less flying around in the alley oops and all the different stuff you saw from his early years with the Knicks. And, you know, he's probably stronger and, um, you know, able to back guys down and do some of that different stuff now. So there's intrigue here for sure. And I'm willing to see it out. I'm not going to just sit here and say that this isn't going to work. Because I see all the reasons you mentioned, and I'm sure all the reasons they looked at it and said this is a no-brainer move, especially when he's going to extend for two years at $30 million. Uh, but there, there's some risk here. Like, who's going to play next to him? How healthy will he be defensively against a bigger guy like Jokic? Like, is Jokic really going to be able to get into him and move him? That's been a concern with Porzingis in the past. He's not quite that burly center. Even a guy like Grant was going against Jokic in the past, given the success that he had, it was being able to really hold his ground and defend physically. And you're seeing, I think, the Celtics shift from that physicality and versatility defensively to covering space like the rim with Porzingis and the three-point line with the longer guys. I almost wonder if they're going to play a little zone this year with Porzingis, mm. given that they did that with... Uh, the summer league team, you know, they did uh, quite a bit with their summer league team. So you got to actually see that with the real team. It'll be interesting because obviously that's what the Nuggets saw in the finals quite a bit with the Heat and the Heat. You know, we're able to compete given their injuries, given their health, given the performance of Butler decently well against this monster Nuggets team with their defensive schemes and the versatility they were able to show on that end. Yeah, um, I think it'll be really interesting to see, like you talk about schemes, a little more drop probably. From, oh, yeah. I mean, you saw that last year with Horford, so they're definitely going to do it with Porzingis. And it makes sense to do it with, like, if you look at how Boston defended last year and the amount of drop that they were running compared to previous years with how much they switched, like, it makes more sense to do that with somebody like Porzingis, who is a really good drop defender. Like, yep. really good. So that's that's cool. And then you get to see Derek White navigate screens a little bit more. Uh, I, it'll be really fun. It I, makes I, sense I, on paper, doesn't it? Like every if everything falls into place does. here. Yeah. Defensively, it does. It's offense. I have probably more questions about, but I also get like you take three high caliber scorers, twenty point guys, and you put them on the floor. It's like, all right, we're just gonna we're gonna take the baseline of that and say that's gonna help us, um, you know, kind of just have that baseline in a sense. But I, I definitely have more questions offensively. I think just watching the scheme changes that you guys have made over the last year, uh, it does make sense to bring in somebody like Porzingis who's tall and can man the paint and and just drop back and, and really fit that scheme well. Yeah, and he'll do his job in the dynamic. He's going to hit his threes. Hopefully he repeats the post-up success he had last year because that will be an important part of this. And you know, they've said they're going to utilize him in that sense. We'll see. You know, They were very three-point reliant last year. I think Porzingis actually posted up more times per game than the Celtics did as a team last year. So it will be an interesting change of pace in terms of setting those plays up, giving the passes to him in the post. Uh, <laughs> the entry passes can be a challenge for not just them, but anyone in the league. So we'll see how that goes. White shifts to point guard. I, I like Horford at the four here, and I keep saying this. I, I expect Rob to start just for the defensive scheme and versatility there and the rotations and Horford's minutes. But I think in terms of making it work offensively, having Horford's passing out there, his floor spacing ability, if Porzingis is going to post up, uh, it just makes more sense to me in an offensive sense. And then, you know, it's less of a concern, but you do have three guys who are used to having a ton of shots. Like there's going to have to be some amount of sacrifice there, especially for a guy I'm sure he's matured, and I'm sure he's moved on from some of this, but didn't love being that second option in Dallas. Didn't love standing in the corner. Didn't love you know, being a guy who had to take a back seat in terms of his role there. Last year in Washington, I know Beal's there. I know Kuzma's there, but they're out a ton. It's not a very good team, and he's sort of just putting up 
as many shots as he wants each night and dominating. It's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for him going to, I guess you call it the third man on this team. But overall, just for the offense, it's a lot of the same questions. Like who's bringing the ball up? How are they connecting? Are they turning the ball over too much? Porzingis gives them a great option. And I I guess the best argument I've heard is he makes Jalen's reads a little easier on the second unit. But just inserting Porzingis on the court here, and you know, you said you put three talented guys on the floor, they'll probably figure it out. But given Porzingis' skill set, he's not Jokic, right? He's not a guy who you're going to give the ball and he's going to be passing around and just connecting everything here. He's a scorer. Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, I and I think like you play with a a guy like Porzingis. um, I do like that he can post up, and he. I also like where he posts up. Because he posts up from like the elbows and the middle of the free throw line nail. Um, and I think that gives you different angles for your offense. Like if you're just running your offense from different areas of the floor, it adds versatility. You end up with different shots. Um, guys will need to cut around him. Um, but there is a way where you can, yes, you can run a, a pick and roll three point heavy offense. But if you want to, you know, for a couple possessions, run it through the elbows, middle of the free throw line. Um, it just gives you different looks. So again, that's, it, it has to work. You know, you have to have guys that are not only able to play that way, but like really willing to play that way. But I, I do think there, it is an interesting thing to think about just that you are having a different look um, in terms of where you're flowing out of in the half court. Yeah. And what's interesting to me when you talk about these two teams I guess you could call what the Nuggets had a big three between Porter, Murray, Jokic. There's enough star power there, I think, to call it that. You know, you're always trying to stack up to the big threes like LeBron, Wade, and Bosch and those types. So you know, sometimes the trio falls a little short of that name. But you have three stars on Denver. You have three stars here on Boston. You have a big guy. is a big part of the dynamic here. I, I can't help but look at these moves and say – Boston looked at what Denver's doing out there, says we need to have a counter to that. And you end up with three stars, a big man who's going to be a significant part of the dynamic there. And a guy in Porzingis who I think brings a little bit of an edge. Like I think Jokic, he brings a little bit of an edge of physicality and nastiness to that Denver team that I think Boston needed in Porzingis, who I think has some attitude, who I think play can play physically. You know, he's... A little more finesse, but given that size, it does instill a little physicality, especially on the defensive end. They need to change the dynamic on this team. There's no doubt about it. And they had a couple different ways to go about it. Obviously, we all had our Jalen Brown debates. You know, do you sign him? Do you trade him? Even going back to the Durant thing last summer, they end up extending him. They move on from Smart, a guy in the locker room who obviously had a massive voice. I just wrote yesterday about like that leadership component. You lose one of your loudest voices in Smart. You lose one of your loudest voices in Grant. How do you make up for that? Does that matter? That's one of my biggest questions coming into the year because I do think it matters. Like Porzingis, who knows? Like I don't know much about him. You know, I don't think people know as much about these players internally as they think they do. But yeah. doesn't look it to me like a guy who's going to really be a loud, significant voice in that room, especially coming on to a new team. So you lose Smart, you lose Grant. Horford's there, but you know he's older, not playing as much next year, I'm sure, minutes-wise. Is that is that a factor here? Or is it all going to come down to the basketball? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, I... I think probably you hit on one of the two things if I'm looking at Boston is just like where who's like what's where's the voice coming from for this team is it because it's two quieter stars um where is that coming from health is the other one and I like we can sit here we can worry about the fit offensively but like I just sort of look at those three guys and I'm like those players are really good um, and I and don't throw think, Rob into it too. If he's healthy, they have even more options there. Yeah. I don't think the East is like, I don't know what you're looking at in the East. I mean, Miami getting Dame. Sure. Like that team's threatening. Um, and I think the East so much has been defined by just having, I don't even know, like in, an institution in place that just seems to be what's helped teams in the past. Um, Miami's come out of the East 
two of the last four years. Just a really solid system. Know how they're going to play. That's made the difference. Boston year, they go to the finals. They have a really solid system, scheme in place. They're all on the same page. And maybe that's like anything, but it really feels like the East is like that. So I, I don't know. I look at the East and I'm just kind of like, I don't know which team I'm looking at is like, okay, that's who's coming out. Other than I guess Miami with Dame. Um, and in a way, as long as there's health and there isn't any huge, huge, huge factions within the Boston locker room, I kind of feel like they're the team to do it. Yeah, and Milwaukee's the other one. Yeah, I like Milwaukee. I'm, they're they're popular. Tri- I keep hearing Milwaukee, Denver. That's a popular one. I don't know if people are thinking about what's in my, my Milwaukee as much right now around Giannis. And I have all the respect in the world for Giannis. Probably my favorite player in the league. He's going to come back with a vengeance after a first round exit. But what's around him? The new yeah. coach. Lots older of questions core. there. They're older. They're a year older. Um, you got a huge year from Brooke last year. Um, no reason to feel like he's going to fall off a cliff, but. Some slippage there, you know, Middleton is kind of just needs to stay on the floor. Drew a year older. It's they're interesting. I like obviously that they just have the continuity there, but they're a year older. And I think that is something that I'm keeping an eye on, um, especially just based on how much they've lived off their defense, which is based on length and athleticism. Um, that that's something I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Well, that's one I got on these two teams. Just the name just got dropped in the chat, of course. Joe Missoula, probably the most divisive name in Boston right now. It, some people want him gone, he comes back. Some people think he can grow, some people think he might hold this team back. We'll see. You know, he's in a tough situation. I think all the excuses floating around him last year are valid from the suspension of Ime right through how you have to navigate that room and his own level of experience yeah, growing into the job. You're around Malone. Obviously, he's one of the better coaches in the league. How does a coach come into play here? You saw Nash probably hold back those Nets teams. Um, you know, you even see Ime there play a part in that run in 2021. And, of course, I think Ime's presence loomed large in 2022 for this Boston team. And I've been as you know critical of Joe as anybody for some of the slip-ups, just his whole approach. And the demeanor last year, you know, I think being more lax on some of the team's issues through the run. We debate this all the time. What's the coaching really mean? But I do think the teams that come out on top each year, and of course the two teams in the finals last year between Spolster and Malone, benefited greatly from good coaching. And the teams that fell short might have been hurt by some suspect coaching. Yeah, I think the big thing with coaching, and it's so hard to tell because I think it really depends on the situation, but having the right personality for the group seems to be the big thing. So, you know, Malone is a super, super nice guy, funny, but also like, uh, you know, like a, he's pretty regimented. Right. Um, and, and I think that works really well with this Nuggets team who, especially last year had a lot of, you know, lighter hearted personalities, Deandre Jordan, uh, Jeff green, um, Ish Smith, like these veterans that are on the team that, Yes, they joke around. You'd see it in the locker room after games, but they'd also be the the guys to send a message to the rest of the team. Malone kind of fits in with the ethos, and um, I think for me, I look at Boston. I, the honestly, the big thing is that they actually have time to like put together a coaching staff, and they're not trying to throw something on the fly. Where especially like somebody like Will Hardy leaves um, to Utah, that thing has happened with Ime, and all of a sudden you have a new coach in there and i don't even when when did joe get high like when was he inserted as the interim it was like a couple days before before the camp it's crazy so it's like now you actually have the chance to not only give joe a whole year to prepare but you also have the ability to build out a coaching staff behind him and for him to build out a coaching staff um it just yeah i know i get it like last year was hastily thrown together and for obvious reasons but i do think it's worth giving him a shot just because that was such unique circumstances for a rookie head coach um, to, to get thrown in there. And, and Nash is a good point because Nash year one, there were some good things. There were some bad things, but you came out of that year being like, no, I think this is the right guys, you know, good personality manager. You have these three stars and her uh, Durant Harden and Irving things work between them. So Nash is fulfilling that part of his duties in terms of just keeping the group on the same page 
year two rolls around, things completely unravel. Um, He's gone within days. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it, it really can go either way. But I, I do think just out of fairness alone, like I'm looking at Boston and saying, look, this is a normal situation. Like they've not only built out a staff, but a good staff uh, behind, behind Joe. And it's worth seeing what that looks like. Cause by the way, you look at Nash's first year, guess what's behind him? A really good coaching staff. You have D'Antoni, Ime, um, a, a couple other guys that I'm I'm blanking out on right no, now. No, Joe Joe didn't have a great staff last year, and many of them left after the year uh, yep. to rejoin Ime or for other situations. So that says a lot too about the situation he was in throughout the year. Uh, it was it was tough for everybody involved, and now you have Charles Lee, who I love. That would have yep. been a choice of mine if uh, they actually moved on from Joe. So I'd have him on the staff anyway, all the better. And uh, Sam Cassell, who's a Celtic, you know, at heart and uh, has a ton of experience too. So I love those hires this summer. And I think it's all, the, you know, I think it's 100% fair to be critical of Joe, but also give him the extra chance this year. Uh, I said if they want to feel good about him into the future, I'm all for it too. Despite, I think, him struggling a little bit during that postseason run and them going longer in some series than they should have. And of course, going down 3 nothing uh, to Miami. He took a lot of the blame for that. Uh, I want to ask you about the Nets, of course, <laughs> mentioning them, yeah. where they're at now, where, they, where they've gone since you left the beat there. All right, the Nets, we love talking about them. They're in a decent spot, given what happened last year. And I, I say this argument all the time. You're in all this craziness. Guys want out. Make the trades. Get a ton back for them. It's almost the situation Portland's in right now. Compile some good young players. We just watched uh, Mikhail Bridges emerges maybe the second best guy on that USA team and average close to 30 on good efficiency on this Nets team. They have Suns picks into the future that are almost surely going to be great uh, given that team's age and their depth and other picks going out the door there. So they've done well. And I, again, we said it at the time when we were talking about that trade demand and uh, you know Sean Marks' future there. Marks did a good job putting that team together, and now he's done a good job pivoting away from it. There's still no clear path to them contending, so that's what you probably have a gripe with if you're this team, but they did a good job moving Durant out. They got a solid return for Irving given the circumstances, and when you look back on it, especially with the hard stuff going on in Philly now, there's probably a lot of what-ifs of how you could have kept this core together. Even Bruce Brown, as we mentioned, I'm probably a guy they let get away unnecessarily. But all things considered, they're in a decent spot right now. And even with this Ben Simmons interview, I don't want to be completely fooled by it. <laughs> but the one thing I'll say going into this year is it's now or never for him. If he doesn't, if it's just like the last two years, they'll probably wave and stretch him and that'll be it for him. So it really is go time for him now or he's going to be done in this league. Yeah, a little pressure for him, um, which will be good. I the, the Suns trade is just like, what a... What a killer deal to get Bridges and Cam Johnson and just – I they just came out of that so well. Um, I like that trade. I remember it going way back to the summer of 2022 when Durant first made the trade request. I was a fan of that trade, whether you know it included Aiton or not. Um, Didn't just, the Suns want to hold back Bridges at that time, though, if I remember right? You might be right. Because there was uh, something maybe. that prevented it from happening beyond the Nets just wanting to keep Durant, but I might be misremembering that. You might be right. Either way, I wanted it. I liked it because of the picks, and I felt like, look, like you get Durant there, it's 34, 35. Um, if he tails off, I do. his game is clearly going to age pretty gracefully, but um, if he tails off or injuries catch up, um, you know, then it's Booker and Durant and not sure what else. Um, and, and suddenly those picks become valuable. Maybe Booker forces out. Um, so I, I like that trade then to have that happen at the deadline and get bridges and bridges turn into like a star level player is just like, I, you really can't beat that. I like their off season. Like, and it, they didn't do anything crazy, but it really brings me back to how this team first got going, where they're just taking chances on guys. They bring in this Joe Harris guy who's cut from Orlando while getting surgery. He turns out to be over the years, one of the best three point shooters in the league, obviously um, 
has not been that way now playing in Detroit, but really when, when he was grooving um, for the Nets, that's a guy that they get for nothing. Dinwiddie's another guy. Get him. He's cut by two teams. Um, he shows you up. You know Watanabe. Watanabe, who I like for the Suns. Um, they've just kind of done that time and time again, and they're doing it again this offseason. There's just – I mean, you look down the list, you know, get somebody like uh, Trenton Watford, who's somebody that I think pretty much I've seen universal positive opinions about him. Dennis Smith Jr., another guy. Well athletic, us, yeah. great defender, great perimeter defender. If you can get anything from him offensively, he's a really interesting player. Lonnie Walker obviously had some big moments for the Lakers. Uh, Harry Giles, they just got on, I think, a non-guaranteed deal. Um, even somebody like Darius Baisley, yeah, he hasn't stuck yet, but he's had some good moments in OKC, didn't get the opportunity to play in Phoenix. So they're just kind of like taking chances on guys while remaining competitive. I think it's the perfect way to build this team as you're trying to figure out, hey, where are we going next? What is Bridges? How high of a star? Like, what is his star level? How high of a caliber player can he be? Is he a tier one guy? Is he a tier two guy? Uh, what do we want to do from there? How are we going to utilize the draft? There's just a lot of questions and they're trying to figure out like what the next step of being the Brooklyn Nets is. But I like what they're doing in the meantime of just being like, hey, let's see if we can hit on guys. And whether those guys stay here or they get a big payday or able to move them, whatever it is, I think it's really interesting, and it's it's the right way to go about this. I'm surprised they're not in on Lillard yet, too, because they have the pieces. Maybe they just feel like they're not ready or he doesn't want to be there, although he did say in an IG Live that's one of the spots he wanted to be. I guess he's close with Bridges, but I'm surprised they haven't at least emerged as a name there, given all the stuff they have. But maybe they just want to see it through and take a different direction after doing the star thing before it's it's tricky and i i love their draft picks too actually derek whitehead and mm -hmm. uh, noah Clowney. those are two other guys that i think are really going to be competitive in this mix uh, you we we love this we love all these names all this potential you know all this versatility and depth but if you don't have the stars as they showed last year you're probably not going anywhere uh they i think i forget who said it but uh might have been barkley sounds like something barkley would say but they would have lost to anyone in the playoffs, this team. Yeah, they any other playoff team, if they went up against them, they probably would have lost. And there's probably an argument that they might not even be a playoff team this year, yeah. like, given that they don't have the top, top end talent and a conference that's still pretty good. We'll see. Uh, but you, you wonder what this group's capable of, what they're able to pivot toward. At the end of the day, they did pretty good in a really bad situation. And now this is where they are. So I, I am intrigued by them. Um, but one thing you do look back and it's fitting now, wonder what they could have done differently, that Harden situation. I thought it was a good idea to send them to Philly, get Simmons back. Simmons plays. He's a good fit with the two other stars, but Simmons just didn't play enough. And Harden goes to Philly. That created their own problems there, but he ended up being pretty good. And they had a real chance to beat the Celtics in that second round last year. You wonder, looking back on it, especially with the deadline looming, do you just keep them, try to keep those three together, push into the offseason and just see what happens? Because nothing good came from trading Harden. No, and I think you look at that. I, like, I don't know if they could have made it work, if they could have just kept them. You know, like, would have that really worked? I mean, that team was so just so off chemistry-wise, with or without Harden. I mean, you look, they get to the playoffs and they get swept and the team's just off and Kyrie hadn't been there the whole year. He's still kind of honestly like finding his legs in that series. Um, the team didn't mesh around Durant. So maybe that doesn't make a huge difference, but the Simmons thing is really, that's the one where you're like, because I, I, there was an article that just came out and they, they mentioned that, or Simmons mentioned that he had something flare up in his back before the trade goes through, like right before whether that was flagged or not, that's pretty concerning that that happened, still made the trade. And then, of course, he has, like, back issues when he's in Brooklyn. Um, it, it's just, like, that whole trade went about as poorly as it could have. Now Simmons, at best, you're hoping him, he becomes a starting caliber player. <laughs> like, that would be a huge win right now because right now he's a really, really big contract that they don't have a ton of um, – there's just not a ton they can do with it, right? No. 
doesn't matter as much now than it did when they have Kyrie and KD on that team. And when you have a slot of like $30 million, just either not playing or producing as an end of bench guy, that really hurts your team for as good as they were in December last year. Doesn't matter as much for this team. I think this team is a play-in-ish team with Bridges and Cam Johnson and Dinwiddie, maybe. So it doesn't matter as much, but they would really, it would be nice if we could recoup some value on that in a way. And a lot of that is just him being not even all-star caliber, just even being like a starter. Yeah, and as much as I did come away from that interview and say, all right, it's now or never. He's feeling good. Yeah. We, again, we've heard all this stuff a million times with him. And the one thing I go away from this, the one answer that makes me just roll my eyes and say, all right, it's not going to be all that different. People are obsessed with you in the shooting. What part of your game are you working on? Touch shooting, pull-ups, spot-up threes, everything. When I'm allowed to be who I am and move how I need to move, I'll be in a good place. The sky's the limit. Just building my confidence. The only way I'm going to get my confidence up is reps. I'm excited. I don't think he's going to be shooting threes this year. <laughs> yeah, I, the Simmons thing is tough because I feel like that answer is I, – I don't know. Like at this point with – with Simmons interviews, there's just like nothing I really want to hear because he's already like, even when I was covering, I didn't cover him for that long. I covered him for four months. Right. Um, I heard a lot of this stuff that we heard in the interview or this big interview that came out recently, the big uh, long feature on him. Um, But I mean, he's kind of said this stuff. The biggest thing for him is just being healthy. Um, There's no doubt he was hurt. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he didn't look right. Like it just, it never looked right. He wasn't moving the same. I think the thing where you notice it the most is like how he looked defensively last year. Cause that's like something, Oh, it just was weird. Like he just wasn't moving correctly. So, um, you know, he was such a, I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the league, maybe the best perimeter defender in the league. Uh, Apologies to Dylan Brooks. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that was where you saw the slippage. He looks back on that series, too, because it was weird. Remember the game four where it looked like he was going to come back, and it's like, oh, can he change some things? And all of a sudden, like, hours before the game, he he was out. And I guess he just sort of tweaked it going up the stairs or something like that. Uh And (laughs) It was so Netsy, man. It was just (laughs) like thing a thousand that was weird about the Nets and covering them. Yeah, I remember that. It was, I don't know. What a Woke weird thing. The... <laughs> Woke up on the floor, couldn't even move. I had to make the call and say I can't go. People don't know that, but that was just part of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And then he has the surgery. Yep. It, it, just a, a strange, strange. I went up the stairs yeah. and my back just kind of gave out. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm not buying in, but the one thing I do say <laughs> this year is it's now or never for him. Two years left on the deal. They can wave and stretch that with where they're at if they if it doesn't go well this year. So he really does need to show something now, whether it's end up elsewhere or be part of this team's future. You know, his career in the NBA could be over fairly soon. So we'll see what happens with him. Last thing I got for you, I want to uh, give a quick shout-out to – AG1, real quick, AG1, drink ag1.com slash garden, get a year's supply of vitamin D, five free trial packs with your first purchase. You know it by now, but in case you don't, 75 vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, probiotics, and more in your water each morning. Nice tropical flavor, as well as a nice energy burst, uh, given all the things you need for your health are just inside this scoop. So drink ag1.com slash garden. Go get that offer right now. I know it's early for you out there in Denver. But USA loses to Germany. Does that does that do you care at all? Does does that set you back at all if you're an American that they lose their second straight World Cup here? And I didn't see this team winning it. I yeah. like the roster they had here. Bridges on it, Edwards on it. There's some intriguing young guys. These guys are sort of up next after the next wave of young stars that are taking over now. But they couldn't rebound. They couldn't yep. defend all that well. And the usual issue of trying to get on the same page offensively played out as well. I think it was a mistake having Halliburton on the bench. Brunson was good, but didn't connect things enough here. And Jaron Jackson was really bad. Yeah, they need size. Um, 
And it's the biggest. It's such a different game in FIBA. And I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of it. It's, I'm on Mountain Time. So and they'll go up against like Jokic next summer, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, that was actually a shame that Jokic and Murray didn't play because obviously those two teams played each other uh, today. So, um, yeah, I, I, a big thing. I mean, did I lose a ton of sleep over it? No, not really. No, you were sleeping. I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I was chilling. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is just bringing in size and adjusting to the different rules. If you're going to throw a roster together, you definitely want to have the top end talent because that'll carry you. Um, they maybe didn't have what they've had in years past. So, but overall, I mean, it's cool. I enjoyed the highlights. I enjoyed watching, but I'm, you know, I haven't been living or dying by people like that. (laughs) The one thing I think mattered most with this team is how it vaults. Anthony Edwards into this next season. And of course the comeback Mm. against Germany and the scrimmage between these two teams uh, got everybody going across the league as they woke up and saw the highlights and all the rest and said, Oh, is this guy about to make the leap? I I have a list of about 10 players going in this year that intrigue me most that I think are most worth watching in terms of how important they're going to become in the league. And he's probably right up at number one. Like, is this going to be a guy who's, all NBA right up there with any other star who makes his team relevant, uh, no matter who's around him, that kind of guy, or is he, you know, one of these decent stars who score a ton and matter, but don't really move the needle in terms of winning. That's where he's at right now. And he's still so young. He has time to grow. He's on a pretty erratic uh, roster. That's not in a good place right now overall, Uh, but he's still good enough where, as we said earlier in the show, they're kind of pushing the Nuggets a little bit round one, making it tough on them, and he's out there leading a comeback against them and uh, almost forcing the series to go way longer than it should have for Denver. I, I don't know which way to point with him because I know he has all the talent and athleticism in the world, but is he in a good enough situation, and does he have some of those tools of making teammates better and those other yeah. things that make you a Jokic? Yeah, it's a swing skill. Uh, for sure, is the playmaking. Um, you know, I think you look at somebody like Donovan Mitchell, that's been the years where he's played really well in the postseason has been when the playmaking has looked really good. Yeah, Mitchell's a good comparison. Um, you, I mean, he just, like, his trajectory reminds me a ton of early Mitchell, where Mitchell shows up and is, like, immediately good for the Jazz. Um, I'm trying to remember what year that was, but he was like exceptional in his first playoffs. Was good 17, at, 18, I'd have to say. Something like that. Yeah. And I'm forgetting who they're playing, but it, it he just like popped right away. Uh, Edwards, I mean, like nobody tested the Nuggets like that the way he did. And it was the, the series, like if they made the adjustment a little bit sooner, when they just started running straight pick and roll for Edwards – Denver and look, they they really improved their perimeter defense. They didn't have anybody with the quickness nor size that could keep up with Edwards, who's such a fast and overpowering athlete. I mean, it, again, if they'd made that adjustment sooner, I don't know what that series would have looked like. By the time they really leaned into it, was like game four basically um, when Denver has a three zero lead. Um, but yeah, they they just had no answers for him, and really, I mean, it was him or. Booker turning into Jordan for three games. Um, those are the two guys that tested Denver the most in last year's postseason. And I, yeah, I mean, look, Minnesota's rosters in flux, but they were missing guys. They were missing um, McDaniel's, uh, Nas Reed. So that team is one of the teams I'm looking at in the West. Is like that's a team that could test Denver next year. Phoenix obviously comes to mind. Lakers like their off season as well. Uh, will need to stay healthy, but. Minnesota is really interesting and they were not a great matchup for Denver. And that's without mentioning like Gobert is probably the best Jokic defender in the league. Even at this point, I know Jokic has, you know, had his way um, with against Gobert and the jazz in the past, but he did a pretty good job in that series. I think Jokic's percentage from the field was by far his lowest was against Minnesota. So and that's probably really the way to do matchup. it. Two bigs yep. and McDaniels. That's a lot of size and versatility on the front line. Uh, maybe they find some ways to pad the depth on the back end because that's another difference between those teams. And there's some other issues like Rudy's overall play and Towns following that I think are probably going to keep holding that team back. 
Yeah. Uh, but they're interesting enough. And Conley was a nice addition last year to yes. shake things up from Russell, who they probably didn't want to keep. Uh, but I'm excited to watch the West Nuggets. I still see them as the prohibitive favorites next year. Celtics got to get out of the East, and then we'll see from there. And maybe there will be a Celtics-Nuggets finals we can talk about down the line, of course. Uh, let's see. When do these two teams play this year now that we have a schedule in front of I just of looked us? it up. It's in February, maybe. Well, let me see if I'm right about that. January is the Boston one. March 7th in Denver. Uh, so as as – yeah. It unfortunately goes only two meetings. That is, you know, it just popped into my head. That's one good thing about the in-season tournament. You might get an extra matchup between some East and West teams this year, mm. um, which is necessary, I think. You know, I, I hate that these teams only play each other twice a year. Celtics, Nuggets, and Vegas, maybe? Do you think those are the kind of teams you're going to see in the in-season finals, or is it just going to be whoever? I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, it's I have no idea. I I I mean, I will say like the way the NBA set up the in season tournament, they did about as good as a, of a job as they could have, just in terms of like putting the regular season, like making the uh, preliminary games count to the regular season standings, and all the games through. I think the semifinals count towards the regular season standings. So like they did a really good job of making the games matter. If you want to look at it that way, plus there's the added bonus of making uh, i think it's like what five hundred thousand awarded to each player somewhere in there but also just like having another championship in the middle of the season I, they did a really good job i think the teams will play hard i like that it's in the beginning of the season you're not worried as much about hey That's if we have this that, thing yeah. right like if they did this in march i'll be like certain teams are like we clinched a week and it ago. ramps up a little most people would start tuning in the nba around christmas this happens right before christmas so it does build up through november and then into december and actually add some intrigue to the early portion of the season i like it a lot me too know, beyond that possibility of east west teams playing that i just thought of so uh hopefully it'll matter a little bit more into the future maybe they'll add some different layers to this but this is a good starting point he's matt brooks He'll be covering the Nuggets again, first full season out there after a championship run as they try to repeat. And, of course, I think this is the matchup most people are going to look at as uh, the most likely finals matchup next year, Celtics-Nuggets. Almost got it last year. We'll see how it goes for both these teams this year. Great catching up, Matt. Uh, check out his work on the Nuggets site. And, uh, of course, at Matt Brooks NBA on X. <laughs> I'm never going to get used to that. <laughs> That's I the first will. time I ever said that. <laughs> I, it caught me off guard. I, I was like, what is he about to say? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Good guy.